Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We spend these 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church. We often interview our members and other friends of the ministry. We do have two services Sunday morning, one at 8.45 a.m., the other at 10.45 a.m. There are Japanese and Korean translation opportunities for you at the 10.45 a.m. service, and that's when we also live stream. That can be found at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, Finding God's Hand in the Coincidences of Life, Part 2, from Ruth 2 and 3. Let's begin this week by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Hey, Hafaday, Chris. Yeah, we're in this series on Sunday mornings just studying through the book of Ruth. And the title of the series is A Harvest Story, uh, which of course connects with our church, but it is the story of of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. We're moving into chapter two. In fact, we started it last week, and uh, this this will be the second part of uh, working through chapters two and three of the book of Ruth. And um, that coincidence of life thing actually comes out of several different places in the book. But verse three of chapter two is talking about Ruth, and it says, her hap was to fall on a certain land. And um, some of the other translations say, as it turned out, and, and it's sort of a funny little figure of speech. It's like the writer is kind of winking at us and saying to us, you know, she just happened to. When in fact, we're going to find out that the story of Ruth doesn't have any coincidences at all to it. God was in uh, sovereignly in control of every decision that they made and was leading step by step in order for a plan that would not only dramatically change Ruth's life and Naomi's life, but actually was going to impact generations to come and frankly it continues to impact us today so if you want the rest of that story you gotta you'll hang in with us through the next couple chapters of ruth but um the coincidences of life we know that god is always at work even in those and we're going to learn that as we keep studying through the book of ruth so we hope that you'll join us we uh just have a great crowd of people that come and attend at harvest and i think you'll find people there that love the lord will warmly welcome you and uh, we'd love to have you come and join us this Sunday. Well, I'm really glad to introduce to you today some special people to me and to my wife, Faith. Jeff and Judy Lynn Walton are with us in studio here today. Welcome to you guys. Thanks, Gary. Thank you. Good to be here. So if the name sounds familiar, <laughs> this is my brother and my, and my sister-in-law. And uh, they're here for some connections uh, with our school, Harvest Christian Academy. Jeff is the executive director of AACS, which is the American Association of Christian Schools, which has about 700 schools, Jeff, yes. right? across the United States and a few other places like Guam. Correct. Worldwide. So, um, so Jeff is the executive director. Um, he, uh, was a principal of a school. He was a state director of an association of schools, uh, director or president of a Bible college. Uh, executive vice president of a Bible college. Okay. Uh, state director in Virginia for 12 years. Okay. Before, uh, God called them to this role at, uh, 
AACS, American Association of Christian Schools. I want to ask you about that here in a little bit. Um, Judy Lynn also has uh, just a career, really, a ministry in education. She was a high school English? Correct. High school English teacher for uh, for many years, several years. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, she's a consultant for Christian schools. She speaks multiple times every year in Christian schools, educators, conferences. I think you're the uh, sort of the office manager for AACS. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> yeah. She keeps the whole thing running. That's what I think happens. <laughs> I try. <laughs> so um, they're here uh, as part of an accreditation team uh, for our school. And we're, uh, we're so glad that they're here. Just, well, he's my brother and my sister-in-law. We love them and, uh, and ha- happy to be able to spend some time way out here in, in Guam along with them. So um, uh, thank you for being willing to be here um, with us and talk with our church family and with some people around, around the island. Let me back up kind of from your story and ask you about you know your your spiritual story um your relationship with god jeff i'll start with you if you want to just give us a quick summary of that so like pastor gary i i had the real distinct privilege of growing up in a christian home and a very strong christian home our dad's a pastor and on so many levels he was the uh the, the example for us as kids um set such a great example on many, many, many levels. And so that's a real privilege to grow up in that home, to hear the gospel from um, your earliest days, probably prenatal days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was five years old. I, I have in my mind an, an image of the, the church building that day and uh, talking with my dad following a service about my need for Christ and being led to the Lord uh, by my dad on a Sunday morning. Uh, like many kids who grew up in Christian homes, uh, I had some struggles in my adolescent years with assurance of that salvation decision. And at, at camps and a couple of other places, I made some decisions to uh, just have the confidence in that but uh, looking back at it now, decades later, I'm very confident that uh, the the point where I trusted Christ as my Savior was as a five-year-old child. And so really grateful for, um, for God placing me in a home with so many advantages and then for directing me to him and then through the steps of my life. Hmm. Judy Lynn, you also grew up with godly parents, Christian parents. That's correct. My Dad was also in the ministry, and um, I was saved at the age of five also at home. I remember kneeling by my bed with my mom and dad and praying and asked the Lord to save me. Um, my dad was in Christian education. He was the pastor in charge of the Christian school, and we started a Christian school at our church back in um, the 70s. And um, so I had um, I was a PK. I was a principal's kid, and I was a pastor's kid. Mm-hmm. And um, the Lord used my parents to point me to Christ. They were very intentional in the way they raised my brother and me. And um, it really is a great privilege to have parents who love the Lord. I remember so many times coming um, out of my bedroom in the morning and seeing my dad kneeling by the easy chair where he would have his devotions. And I knew he was praying. And even today, um, when I talk to my parents on the phone, they will say, we pray for you every day. 
this is an unusual opportunity, I think, for me to ask uh, you guys some questions that are about my family. <laughs> of course, uh, people here are familiar with with our family, uh, my mom and dad, maybe not yours as much, Judy Lynn, but um, I think just interesting for me to ask you about about that from a different perspective. I mean, I think our perspectives would be a lot the same. But really for both of you, so you grew up in Christian homes and ministry homes. Um, if you were able to identify a couple of things that um, that were just, you know, really key factors within those homes. And Judeline, you just talked about your dad praying, which would be one of them. What would be some other things that you might talk about that made such a difference and uh, in your own personal spiritual growth as young people and then even if the example later on? I think for me, dad's consistency in the way he lived his Christian life, walked his Christian walk, um, I, I saw some things being in his home that I knew were very challenging for him. And he went through some difficult circumstances and went through all of that with a, with a steady, gracious spirit, uh, always consistent about the way he uh, walked and talked and I would say more than any other thing in my growing up years, there were other people that had some influence mm-hmm. um, in really significant ways. One of my teachers in the Christian school that I got to attend starting in eighth grade was really significant, but nothing comes even close to the just the consistent faithful testimony of dad at home and in the pulpit and in every place else that we walked. Yeah, I, I don't know if you've and I, you and I have ever talked about this, Jeff, but I've, I've told people your experience might be a little bit different. I don't ever remember dad yelling at me or anybody. I just never uh, remember that, which is unusual. And it sort of sets this bar that I haven't been able, <laughs> unfortunately, to live up to. But he really ha- dramatically just a, just a consistently godly life. He was passionate, very passionate about many, many things, but it didn't come out in a temper way. No, very, very true. Um, and that uh, kind of uh, Holy Spirit-controlled mm-hmm. life and consistency mm-hmm. uh, was incredibly influential for all of us who grew up in that home. Yeah. Jeff and I are part of a family that with seven kids, um, four boys, three girls, um, that by God's grace, you know, each of those kids have followed Christ and a few of us in ministry. And my mom and dad were just fantastic examples to us, loved us well and cared for Jesus and the story. Judy Lynn, we've been able to watch, you know, your family a little bit too. Of course, I didn't know you growing up, but we've been a part of each other's lives for a long time. That's true. <laughs> and I know that you have godly parents as well. Tell us some of the things that you learned. You know, my parents always were on the same team, and um, my brother and I could never go to mom and get a different answer than we get from dad. And that unity, I know now from observing a lot of homes, is really quite the gift. You mm. know to know that your parents are always, at least what we saw, were in agreement. I'm sure they had discussions about things, but they were, there was that same kind of consistency that you guys grew up with in your home. And if you don't mind, I'd like to say something about the influence of my mother-in-law on my life. Mm. Um, 
your mom, my mother-in-law, did not meet the typical mother-in-law, you know, um, she's the enemy kind of thing at all. She was, she had that unique ability to make every single one of us think we were her favorite. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really wonderful to have her influence on my life as well. And of course, I got to be in the same church that your dad was the pastor of. And um, so I also got to sit under his ministry that way and um, work with him in that church. And so we shared a lot, a lot of years. Well, I, I really was my mom's favorite. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we all argue about that. <laughs> no, we're pretty sure Gary was. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> um, actually, Faith would tell the very same story that you would, Judy yeah. Lynn. Uh, my, and I've told our church this too. My mom was a, just a very special lady who had a unique capacity to love, and you knew it. Everybody that she touched, you knew that you were important to her. Mm-hmm. Very special gift that we're thankful for. You guys are around a lot of Christian schools in particular, lots of Christian parents. There's unique challenges today um, that maybe are different than they've been in the past. Anything that you would see that would be, you know, different from before or ways you're seeing, you know, godly parents do things differently? Anything that you'd help us with? So the challenges today... uh, fundamentally are the same as challenges have been mm. for generations, but but they take new forms today. And a lot of those are, you know, new cultural issues that kids have to struggle with, the sexual orientation, gender identity issues that weren't something in my generation or your generation, but are very much a part of their culture, their lives today. Um, a, a lot of the social media influences are just tremendously more pressure on kids today than they have been in the past. And so as as parents struggle with the same human nature in their kids that all parents have struggled with, there still are today so many ways that kids can access uh, evil in ways that uh, were not even available to people um, 20 and more years ago. So those are new challenges for parents. Those are things that parents have to be um, very aware of, have to work really hard on, have to communicate with their kids a lot about. We see those things coming into schools and know that then, you know, they have to be issues in homes that parents are dealing with also. Yeah, I mean, right on. Every parent that's listening to this right now says, oh, man, that's a challenge. So the, the question is, so what do we do about it? And I know this is a very big question, but I mean, do we hide these kids under a rock? Do we, or, you know, do we just isolate them from all of the social media? I mean, how, how are you trying to encourage Christian parents? So the uh, I, isolating them might not be <laughs> such a bad idea, uh, but it, it's impractical in a lot of circumstances the, the primary ways that parents need to, to help their kids with that are by limiting the amount of that influence and then by, by governing what feeds into their kids' lives. So parental controls are possible. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, too many parents don't exercise those options, uh, don't, don't think that their kids will respond well to them exercising those options 
And I have to say to that, you're fighting for the life of your kid. I mean, if you do not exercise uh, those abilities that are there to control what comes in digitally to the minds of your kids and affects the hearts of your kids, then uh, you're not doing everything that you ought to do as a parent. And so the, the response to your kid is, you know, I'm not fighting against you. I'm fighting for you. I care so much about you that I want to protect you from those things that would eat away at your, um, at your personal health, at your mental health, at your spiritual life. I love that idea. I'm fighting for you. Yeah, boy, parents ought to just plaster that, you know, across uh, everything they can think of that um, I'm willing to do anything to fight for you. Um, Of course, you know, the response to that is, hey, they're going to get this at some point. They can't stay under my control forever. And and there's some validity to that, right? So there's a place where as as we're controlling that we're gonna to have to train so that when they are released from this control, they they have the ability to make those decisions on their own. How do you how do you make that transition? Uh, this is something that's often discussed when you talk about Christian education, because Christian education is in part a parent um, wanting to do many things for their child, but a, a part of that is to control the influences that come into the life of their child. Uh, with some environmental controls that happen in Christian education. And so that's sometimes described as you know, keeping your kid in a greenhouse. And my answer to that is, of course, that's what you do with young plants. Uh, you protect them in the greenhouse until they have the, the root structure and the solid stock to stand on their own. And um, sure, you do everything You try to help them to grow and develop and to develop that great root structure and that solid stock, but you don't turn them loose into the the cold weather and the sharp winds until they're ready for that. And um, you you protect them in that environment um, as long as you can until they develop the strength to stand on their own. And for, you know, parents to... Um, to shy away from that with the, the digital influences on kids today, it's just a tragic mistake for so many, many families. So yeah, it is, it is going to come to them at some point, um, but until they're strong enough to stand it, we shelter them as much as we can. Yeah, shelter them and, and prepare them, and hopefully they'll be, their maturity level will be a little bit stronger, a little bit older. Um, instead of uh, young. And, uh, and and then, you know, we really do have to be in this continual moral training process uh, with our kids. So it's not just do this because I told you to do it, but here's the why. Here's how this will help you. Hope they c- can own that. The um, It's an interesting, change gears here, um, an interesting uh, path for you guys. I've had a chance to watch it, you know, personally over these years. But uh, Jeff, maybe I'll ask you this specifically and then we'll get Judy Lynn's take on this, but what is the path to becoming the executive director of American Association of Christian Schools? I mean, how do you get there? So you've heard the story about the two guys walking across the field and they see a turtle on a fence post. And the first guy says, how, you know, how did that turtle get there? And the second guy says, well, you know, somebody put it there. (laughs) And that's... um, 
you know, how, how do you end up as an executive director of AACS? God directs circumstances that place you there. And I did not ever set out to become this. Nobody does. Nobody goes to college and says, someday I want to. In fact, nobody goes to college and says, I want to be a school administrator someday. <laughs> you're, uh, you're right. That's very yeah. unusual. You know, that just happened. Right? There, there are no undergraduate majors for school administration. Uh, but, you know, God, in fact, when I went to college, I, I thought I was headed for uh, law school and mm -hmm. to be an attorney. Yeah. And God redirected my life uh, through a student teaching experience. Uh, and I just fell in love with the ministry of teaching and the opportunities to influence kids. And then um, we were given an opportunity to teach and be the administrator of a small school in Wisconsin. And then another opportunity to go work at the state office in Virginia. Uh, and then a, another phone call and uh, to work at Virginia Baptist College for a while. In the state office, I learned things I would need in this role. Working in the college, I learned some things about accreditation that I would need in this role. And so at, at each step of that process, God taught me things that have prepared me for what I'm doing, but I never would have seen that mm -hmm. as what was the future. Uh, when, the, uh, when Keith Wiebe called and asked if I would consider this position, uh, I went home and told Judy Lynn, and she said, you said no, right? <laughs> uh, I said, uh, no, I, I told him we'd pray about it. And she said, well, I zipped my lip and said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, God just uh, clearly led and prepared so that we were, uh, we, we had the experience and the tools that we would need for this ministry. It is amazing how God does that. You're, I mean, it's so clear in your life. I'm, I'm, I enjoy hearing you tell that story, but it is so clear how God ha has done that. And it is the truth. I mean, people that are listening here, God has an amazing way of organizing the events and the circumstances and the, the coincidences of our lives in a master plan to place us where he can use us and, you know, in a way that would impact the kingdom. So it's cool to hear you say that. And God is always at work um, in our lives. Time goes so quick. Maybe I'll bring one more question um, to you, Judy Lynn. Maybe you could answer for both of you, but for you personally, like, uh, so at this stage of your lives, what would be like some big burdens? What, what continues to drive you guys kind of day by day. I know you have busy lives. You're responsible for a lot of things together. I, I track your schedule. Um, <laughs> what, what keeps you going in that kind of stuff and uh, excited about it? So one of the things we get to do at AACS is work with a lot of different schools. And I am always amazed at the sacrifices that people are making to keep mm -hmm. their kids in Christian school. And then the teachers are making to, to, work at a less salary than they could make in another career choice. So I'm always amazed at that. And I'm always humbled that I get a chance to support them in some way. So when we get to go to teachers conferences and speak, I'm praying that what we give them encourages them and helps them do a better job at what they're doing already. Um, we pray for them in our office. It's just, it's a real privilege. And the way things are going in our country, I am always praying that God will somehow preserve our religious liberty so we can keep raising the next generation to follow him. 
And Christian schools are an important part of that. You know, the primary responsibility is to the parents, but those Christian schools are coming alongside them and providing a way for them. Well, you guys have, uh, you've given your lives, really sacrificed, given your lives towards Christian education. And uh, I'm thankful for that. Uh, There's many schools across the country who've evidenced that as well. Um, You know, Jeff, I've heard from a lot of different people about your leadership at AACS and the impact that it's had. And God did equip you uh, for this job. And it's been it's been fun and uh, proud of you for how God did that. Jeff's, uh, you know, for those that are listening, Jeff's older than I am. I, I mean, I want you to know that for sure. Um, in fact, he uh, actually, Jeff was, we were just talking about this with somebody else. Jeff was in college when I was in um, like fifth and sixth grade. And uh, uh, he and my other brother, Dave, one of our other brothers, Dave, was uh, they were both in college and were just fantastic examples for me uh, along those early formative years. Jeff talked about this awesome parents that we had, and for sure that was very significant. But Jeff actually helped me through, you know, some really big middle school problems (laughs) that I was having. I can remember some specific conversations where he was a godly influence. and, And frankly, I mean, it might sound a little bit weird, but I grew up wanting to be like my older brothers. And, uh, and it was pretty cool. And I'm thankful that God protected me in a lot of ways because of the example that you guys were before me. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. And we're, we're glad you grew up better so. <laughs> <laughs> and taller. So. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Thanks, Gary. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. We just want to take this opportunity again at the end of the program to invite you to services this Sunday at Harvest Baptist Church. We meet at 8.45 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. every Sunday. We have Japanese and Korean translation available during that 10.45 a.m. service. And that is also the service we live stream on hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time. Harvest Time.